Welcome once more to RPG Hour. I am Jonathan Andrews. I'm Mr. RPG Hour. I'm Mrs. RPG Hour. Oh, wow, I get to go third this time. My name is Emmett Hale Farnsworth Guzman. Actually, Jonathan started it off, so... Oh, wow. <laughs> you missed that. <laughs> oh, did I? You haven't had enough caffeine, have you? <laughs> nah, man, I got... You know I that got... Sunkist has caffeine in it. <laughs> <laughs> I got home at 7, so yeah. like, I, I crawled into bed at 7. My girlfriend texted me in the morning, so... <laughs> We're glad you made it at all, then. Yeah, dude. Shoot. Yeah, flat tire coming back home from a DJ gig. Okay, so Blades in the Dark, what did you guys think? I thought it was really good. There's there's a lot of things that I liked. I thought the powers were super fucking cool. <laughs> so let's. Uh, I kind of want us uh, for 2020 to do things just slightly a little bit differently. Mm. Um, I want us to be able to kind of break things down, and I know that we've got a couple of episodes that have already dropped that didn't sound like that um so i want our reviews to go a little bit differently um because this is a playbook system let's start with the playbooks right quick sure so for those of you that don't know blades in the dark is a playbook system what a playbook is instead of a regular character sheet where everybody gets the same exact character sheet you pick up a character sheet that is specific to your type of character i mean their character classes every playbook book has like a page of of explanation on why playbooks are not character classes. I'm sorry if you have to spend a page explaining why it's not. It is. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. They, I mean they're at the very least they're character types. Yeah. Which <clears throat> essentially is a character class. Yeah. So, but I like how it's essentially it's your template. Well, it's what makes the game fast. So I, yeah. I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying it's 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 a, it's it's a, character, a class. character class. Yeah, it's a, but I like how they, I like how, the system, the system like, lays it out, like a template, and you just pick, you know, very specific things to kind of tweak and customize. But otherwise, it's it's just a template for your character, which is really cool because everything is in generic enough terms that you can kind of play with what that means for your character. Well, and as I've said it before, I don't like character classes. I really don't. The things that we, all the game books out there that call them classes, if you look at it, it's a generic thing that's very, very pulled down. And it's kind of, the way that you build from those character classes are very difficult sometimes to have something that fits a specific type of setting. But playbooks to me and other systems, when they do give them a different name, I feel they're slightly different than a character class. Not much, but slightly. And I think that the difference is is that they feel like the setting or the book or the game world that they're set in. Sometimes more so than others. So how about this? The compromise, their character template. Oh, no, no. (laughs) They're still technically character classes. But I mean, by not using that term, I find that games that don't use that term, oftentimes they're different enough. Okay, but... I mean, what you're talking about is not a function of of what it is. It's a function of uh, how the particular playbooks are designed. I mean, if you're if you're looking at a generic playbook system, it's going they're going to feel generic. If you're looking at a generic character class system, they're going to feel generic. But if you have tailored character classes, then there's no reason they can't be just as tailored feeling as your pl- tailored playbooks. Yeah, but that's what I'm trying to say. I don't feel that the ones that claim to be generic actually feel generic. I just don't. I don't know. I just think they're versatile. I think it's... Uh... Well, no, that's what I mean. Like, these are very versatile. And they, when you pick it up, when you read Leech, and then you read the abilities, you really get the idea of why it's called Leech. Character classes in Buck Rogers. Rocket Jock, uh, Warrior, uh, Hacker. They were very tailored, right? But the most most of the uh, fantasy classes are pretty generic because they have to accommodate multiple worlds. But there are some that have classes like, um, uh, what's the sword character from Forgotten Realms? Uh, Blade Knight or Spell Knight or something like that? I mean, it's just a function of, of uh, who's writing the class. Yeah. You have good character classes and you have bad character classes. Or maybe I should say better character classes and worse character classes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we're going back and forth on this, but I mean, like, I feel like you're just 
more going along with the point that I'm trying to make. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I, that's one of the things I like about playbook systems. Um, a lot of the play, powered by the apocalypse, which technically this is influenced by those, uh, they really are tailored towards something. Not every single one of them, but they're tailored towards when you pick them up, you get a good sense of the character that you're going to build. And it gives you something where you're not just building a generic character. You get the feel of the world that you're in before mm. you do anything else. And that's what I love about playbooks. Um, and that's what I love about these playbooks specifically is that, you know, I mean, I get the sense that this is not just a normal, uh, I played what's, um, I played what's called uh, the cutter. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're like, okay, what's a cutter? And it's the, the little description is a dangerous and intimidating fighter. And when you read into their abilities and things like that, they're, I mean, it's not just a pugilist. It's not just a boxer. It's not just a street fighter. These are people that deal damage at in an incredibly dangerous way. But they're also people that you would not want to meet in a back alley. You look at them and think, what the hell did I just walk into? <laughs> and that's kind of what these people are, is that they're, they're the big guy in the background that's not the big boss, but they're the boss you have to fight right before you get to the big boss. Like that's how they feel to me. Like a cutter is not just a normal, uh, it's that also, I, I can also see them being like that little dude that like gives off that strange vibe and then they kick one of the, you know, their own people or like one of the NPCs heads off and you're like, uh, what the crap just happened? And now everybody's like, all right, I guess we're going to fight this guy, but I'm, I'm a, you know, clean up on aisle three first, but <laughs> That's just funny because the, what you described is the reason I don't like most character playbooks. <laughs> really? <laughs> but uh, some playbooks are really well done and other playbooks are, are poorly done. In general, though, I just feel confined by playbooks. I guess you're yeah. the type I... of person to write an essay. <clears throat> I didn't like character templates either. <laughs> so <laughs> it's probably that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like this because it, if you're struggling to figure out what kind of character you wanted to play, it's a very simple jumping off point because you know exactly what kind of character you're playing. Everything, all the information is there. You're just making decisions. You're just making a few decisions and boom, you have a character. Yeah. And it's super fast. And you have I, a custom, I appreciate that. You have a custom character too because not every True. person, even if they choose the same playbook, they're not going to build the same way. True. They're not going to play the same way. So... I like it. Well, and see, that's that's I, I'm I'm the reverse of you because mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan, I like playbooks like this because Blades in the Dark isn't your standard fantasy world, so trying to build a character for it can be exhausting if all you have are very generic things, and so having playbooks that are tailored towards how this world works, that's what I like about character class type systems is I want them to feel like the world I'm about to play in. I don't like generic ones because they don't really feel generic. They feel like somebody built them for something specific. Well, that's why you write an essay for when you make a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you don't... It, it, See, I would, I would use hero for everything where I could just spend points on what I want. <laughs> I feel that. That's character customization right there. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. Playbooks are nice. They're fine. Uh, yeah, like, I, I, you know, I I, I totally get that what you're saying though uh i i run a a custom setting like uh mm. D, D 5e campaign and mm. i know how y'all feel about that <laughs> look it's fine it's, it's good <laughs> yeah but it's just like it is it is like difficult because you have to like lay out enough lore for people to like understand like where they fit into the context like it's it's different than um it's it's different to say like oh yeah there's there's elves and and demon people and shit like it, it, <laughs> like you can just oh well I want to be a rat person it's like mm -hmm. cool you know it fits right into my world well as opposed to with playbooks you can take a brand new character and hand them a set of playbooks and they don't have to read forty pages of 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 extemporaneous of uh, exposition yeah. to yeah. get that this is a fighter who can decapitate people with a swing of a sword. Yeah, okay. That sounds awesome. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's that's what I like about playbooks and character class systems when they do that. That is the good thing about character. I and I think yeah. really uh, they're, the, the way that they did this is honestly, because you can fight ghosts in this, you can fight, there's demons, there's, you know, it's not just a standard uh, world, and it's definitely, like, 
D&D has one of the more popular world settings. I'm not trying to pick on D&D, but when you pick up Ravenloft, mm-hmm. there's very few world-specific classes that are built for it, like monster hunters there. And um, I mean, you know, you've got very little of that. So when you're picking up, Ravenloft is a very different world. It does not operate the same. And sure, they've got little blurbs on how to tweak things to fit. It's true, but, but how many of your adventures actually get to be from Ravenloft? <laughs> actually, I've, I I ran a two-year, two-and-a-half-year, I'm trying to remember how long it was, uh, D&D 3.5 uh, Ravenloft campaign. You didn't build classes for it? Oh, I did. I did. But that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the books didn't come with them, but I no. built the classes up for it. Yeah. But that's what I like about this is you can literally just grab any of these books and be like, I know what I'm doing. Oh, there's ghost fighting in this. Oh, there's demons in this. Oh, mm-hmm. I can do this. Um, so, I mean, that's that's what I think that the playbooks are good for. Yeah. Yeah. And at least with the character or the playbook that I picked, I thought it was really interesting because the with the special abilities... I could build a massively different character with the same sheet. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. and yeah, if we continued on, I could build up into having all these other things that yeah. the character can do. But like, I decided to go, um, just as an example, saboteur. So it's like, I destroy things, but I very could, I very easily could have also picked... Physiker uh, and been the healer. Right. And it's like those are very, very, very different characters. Right. Within the same umbrella of yeah. the playbook, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, the playbooks in this one are well done. They don't have a whole lot of them to choose from. I think there were, what, six, eight? Yeah, something but, like that. But they are very uh, diverse. No, it was closer to 10. Was it? Oh. It was okay. closer to 10 because, I mean, I had six sheets in my hand at one point. And... I know, but some of those were the crew sheets. Well, no, that's was like Emmett had one. And I think his is the crew sheet on the back. Oh, it's, it, yeah, this is the crew sheet right here. Okay, yeah, yeah. so, I mean, like, but I feel like there there was quite a number of them, but. I will say, slightly <clears throat> offended, you guys were immediately like, oh, yeah. Chelsea's going to play that one. <laughs> well, there was also the whisper. <laughs> You, oh, I didn't and even actually, look at the that spider, one. the spider was what was one that I thought you might do. Oh, spider! I was, I was like taken. I was like, oh, do I want to be a cultist? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, in all honesty, I, 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 after hearing what the spider was, I could see you playing that one as well. Oh, really? Um, I mean, well, if you really look at the spider, that's a lot like uh, your harp character Wesley in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I could see you doing that one. Um, I tend to play I, assholes. I could actually, <laughs> honestly, I could also see you playing assholes. the slide. The slide is a uh, subtle manipulator and spy, because you you have you, you don't just play assholes, but that is definitely a character you would have played too. There's a lot of books that I could see you. I playing. play sneaky, backstabby. You should never trust them, assholes. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll play pretty much anything. <laughs> I mean, like same. Like one of these games, one of these games, I'm gonna pick someone who's like, I don't know. Like, like quite a bit different, but I do like being able to, like, stir as much shit as possible. <laughs> we hadn't noticed. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, just lo- I just love how whenever you start stirring shit, you're immediately backpedaling and trying to get the advantage back because you've stirred too much. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. That, uh, something interesting that Blades in the Dark does that I haven't seen in a Powered by the Apocalypse game um, and uh, I keep bringing up Powered by the Apocalypse for those that don't know. This kind of sort of is influenced by a game uh, that John Harper created that was a direct Powered by the Apocalypse game um, that he then, I don't know that necessarily it is 100% influenced by that other one. There's a lot of similarities, um, uh, but there are a lot of similarities between Blades in the Dark and Powered by the Apocalypse, and there's a lot of things that are completely different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also has this thing called the Crew Sheet, and Blaze in the Dark uses crew sheets as a secondary character sheet for the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really cool. I honestly feel like that should come first, though. That's so fucking cool. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like, personally speaking, and I mean, I know that y'all are going to have different opinions on this, but I created a very specific character based on the, the, the sheet that I had. I created a cool concept, and as soon as we got to the crew sheets, I had difficulty fitting them in, and I didn't like the idea of changing the character um, and so I created another character using another playbook because I didn't want to try and one, disrupt the game with the original character or two, change the character concept. Cause I really liked what I had. 
Um, and it was just very difficult for me to sever those two. Uh, thankfully, the back of the sheet that I had had that character. And I'll go ahead and put that character up on the... Um, if you go to our uh, blog, you can find our post about this. Uh, and it's just like some quick information uh, that we may have thought of and didn't share here that Jonathan and I will probably both write on that one blog. But our character sheets will be available. I'll type them up so you can read them. <laughs> um, but my secondary character will be on there as well. Uh, my secondary character was completely just about ghosts. Like... They didn't want to hurt a person. They were completely against that kind of thing. And, and we're all over here, all criminal thugs and shit. Yeah, yeah and so it just became... A, well, I mean, the name of the game is Blades in the Dark. <laughs> what did you think the game was about? Well, no. I mean, the ghosts and stuff, too, would have been cool. Like, I feel like if we had... If 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 Emmett and I, and I had built characters that were slightly different, then maybe we would have been more along the lines of, like... Well, but he wasn't connecting with any of the gang book, gang sheets. That's that was the problem. Yeah. No, I connected with a couple of them. Which one was, did you like? Uh, like I, we could have been ghost assassins. Like. No, yeah, I was totally about the assassins <laughs> book. Um, I was okay with hawkers to a point, mm-hmm. and that's what we ended up going with was was the hawkers one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was okay with the cult one. <laughs> I was totally down cult with the cult one. one. You know, I cult wanted to be cultist <laughs> yeah. like for a while, like for a minute. Like I was like. Mm. I wanted to be a cultist, and like uh, that was that was gonna be the thing that I was. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna spider. say this. I was really down for the cultist. I would have been okay with any of the special abilities that they had. Mm-hmm. Had we gone cult, though, I would have pushed really hard for chosen. Each PC may add a plus one rating to attune, study, or sway oh, up to a maximum nice. rating of three. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and I would have been totally down for doing cult stuff. Um, as basically like I, our, our cult would have been centered around something to do with eradicating ghosts, yeah. which would have been completely contrary to what the, the church is not completely contrary, <laughs> but it would affect what the church can do. Um, and so the church was about bathing in the ectoplasm of ghosts as they destroyed them to purify yeah. them. So if we are out there to make sure that there are no ghosts, yeah, you know, um, that would have been interesting. I, I, I would have been down for a lot of different things. So that character concept did work, game. but it didn't work with the other characters. And right. I was having difficulty finding a way. And it I could have easily just flipped something on that, but... We just wanted to be drug dealers, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just... That's why I think the cruise sheet should, should... You should consider sitting down and doing the cruise sheet first. And everybody, not with an idea of what their character is in, but you decide as a group what you think sounds cool to do. And then go through the playbooks and be like, oh, I want to build this version or I want to do this and build off yeah. of that. I think personally for me, if I were to run this, I would start with a cruise sheet and be like, all right, what do you guys want to do? That makes sense. The two processes don't interact over much, so it probably wouldn't make any difference uh, in the mechanics. No, but, no. It would, but it would give the players a good idea of like how they want things to go. That way they don't accidentally make a yeah, character with uh, a backstory that just yeah. doesn't fit. I don't see any problem with that. Yeah. Especially because Game Masters, uh, as, as Jonathan and I were talking, we're both preppers. <laughs> we love prepping for game sessions. Yeah. And I cannot count the amount of times up to this game session that he was like, I can't prep. I'm not allowed to prep. I'm not supposed to prep. I can't prep. <laughs> game doesn't let you prep. You get. You can't prep. You got to wait for the players. You can't prep. Um, and, and so this is the l- reason I've never run Apocalypse World. <laughs> okay, but with that in mind, like, how do you think we did? I, I, I had a blast. I don't know about you guys, but it was a lot of fun. No, it was, it was a, lot a lot of fun. Of fun yeah. I, I think it's interesting because because the GM really, there isn't much that you even really can do prep wise like i guess you can have kind of like a general idea of where you want to start everyone but if i were going to prep more for this game i would do more fleshing out on the factions Mm. and more Uh, fleshing out on the districts let me let me rephrase something because jonathan and i will both agree on this the prep that you can do for blades in the dark is completely different than prep you'll do for anything else yeah you can grab the world that is already there and build those factions up build the city up name the city streets go through you could do a lot of world prep so i'm not saying you can't do any but you're not prepping scenarios you're not prepping you know from modules you're not doing anything like that Mm -hmm. you're just waiting for the players to pick their crew sheet and their uh playbooks and go from there Mm -hmm. i i think it felt like i don't know just overall i feel like this game and i think i say it it feels like like uh like like GTA but with ghosts and like you know like you know like Tesla tech what what what, what was Tesla that? punk Tesla, Tesla punk, punk. Yeah. yeah yeah 
So it was, I did think that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. To me, it feels a lot like the video game Dishonored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's honestly, like, when I first saw previews for this and things like that, I was like, ooh, I need to get this because I can do Dishonored. Well, yeah. in Dishonored, they do a lot with whale oil. And in this, a lot of it is comes from Leviathan blood, which is the whale oil. The Leviathans are the, the whale demons in this oh, world. Oh, okay. So, so that's what that means by on the character sheet. One of the people you can be friends with or whatever yes. is a blood dealer. Yes. Gotcha. Ah. And so they're very similar even in that. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I like it a lot. I, I like the setting. I, I It's very unique and it... it yeah. The setting is the most compelling thing to me. I, I it. think so too. There's not a whole lot of things that have a setting like this. I've never seen right. it, but aside from like Dishonored. Yeah. Yeah. What I would like to do, if I were to ever run Blades in the Dark, get some players together that would agree not to do the standard Blades in the Dark. <laughs> Still use the world, but use a lot of influence from Dishonored mm-hmm. and build a more traditional RPG where there are different things that they can do and there are clocks because I love the countdown clock but I would use a separate countdown clock that if they don't interact with something it ticks down and once it's gone they can never do that mission well that's what uh, that's kind of the way clocks work in Apocalypse World and they can work that way in this world but they flush them out in so many other directions that just open up so many possibilities yeah so for those of you that aren't familiar with Apocalypse World like we are I've read it a couple times but not played it or run it and jonathan and i have talked a lot about apocalypse world and stuff like that why don't you go into for people that don't know what the countdown clocks are why don't you talk about that for a minute sure yeah okay so a countdown clock is well maybe i'll back up okay so um say you are trying to keep track of something right you have it in your notes you're ticking tally marks or keeping a calendar or something like that just to help you keep track of how far along this bad guy's master plan is before you can spring it on the PCs. Okay? So whatever crunchy system you've got for doing that, Apocalypse World handles it with clocks. That makes sense, right? I mean, it's a time mechanic, so a clock is very obvious. So you have a clock that has segments in it that that, uh, correspond to parts of the clock, like a four clock, for example. What what Blades in the Dark calls a four clock is uh, four segments, one corresponding to one through three, four through six, seven through nine, and uh, 10 through 12. And, but you can have more segments than that. Uh, Apocalypse World usually uses clocks that are, uh, have three segments and then a, two half segments. So it's a little bit different. But um, in all of these, you track progress by marking off sections of this clock. And when the clock gets full, well, whatever it is happens. Apocalypse World goes so far as to mark damage the same way, and it is neat as heck. Uh, Ghost Lines, which is the other John Harper game, uh, for those that you don't know, 1-7 Design is the name of the company that did this. Um, I forget the name of the person who actually did the physical publication, um, but Ghost Lines is a RPG that he did that I want to say it's like three or four pages long or whatever, um, and it is very much this same exact type of feeling. Um, and it uses the same map, so I really do feel like it is the same world. Yeah, um, it certainly feels the same. But yeah, so yeah. Ghost Lines has that same exact uh, time mechanic. Um, I want to say the time mechanic is also used for like they have an actual like health, like their harm mm. is a little. Could be, yeah, yeah, trauma and horror. Mm-hmm. Mm. To go to. So they use the time, the, the 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 those little tick marks as well. Um, but I mean, if you want to get an idea of this game, uh, there is the SRD available on their website. Yes. Um, and you can also check, and it's a four-page RPG for the other one with no character sheet. I, well, no, there's a character sheet. Never mind. I'm done. I just wanted to, you know, remark, like at least say something about this time clock that I that I found very cool is that it's it's triggered by events, so it doesn't have to be this arbitrary. It's like, oh well, now in the narrative, it seems right that I, you don't have to wonder about that. I, I think that that's that's true. It really helpful. With the it's yeah. really helpful. So you can yeah. say, oh, 
this this event mm-hmm. triggered more like this or you know you can just tick it down over time and i and yeah. i really like that yeah i'm definitely gonna use that in my game it feels a lot like uh in a very similar manner the fantasy um scenario thing that can happen where oh, you have an event yeah. that you now have to interact with yeah that is now instead of fighting an enemy in fantasy you can actually fight the scene so to speak right and uh that's that's the same same style of mechanic to me mm-hmm. um i i i like both of them very much i ve- I, I like it when games in, interact with things like that they add those in mm-hmm. i'm sad that more powered by the apocalypse games don't do that i feel well, like it'd be pretty easy to add in though Oh, yeah. definitely, definitely. But I mean, like, there are some games that I would be worried about adding it in um, without, like, heavy play testing before it went on air. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, um, Masks. It's a real fun thing, but I would I would be very wary of using it there. In the foreground. You could use it in the background just fine. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, That's what I mean. Like, I like it in the foreground, though. I like when it's out there. It was, right. yeah, it was really elegant. I... I didn't expect it to be so much fun, but it oh, really is. Mass with fuss. And it was <laughs> like it was. It added to the tension and the drama too, because you were just like, yeah, ah. yeah. uh huh. Because you could see the progress. Yeah. <laughs> I like completely missed it, and like I think I saw him like mess with it, but I did, I I completely missed it, and I <laughs> forgot about it until now, actually. <sighs> well, I think if I remember correctly, um, Mrs. RPGR was the first one to activate one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think uh, for, for the tires or something like that, for the, for the, for wheels. the wheels. Yeah. But yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> is, this, is this coming after or before? This comes before. This comes oh, before. wow. So we can't talk about all the really awesome things that happened to my character. Oh, <laughs> no, but saying that little bit isn't really a spoiler. They don't know exactly what They don't know any happened. context. Yeah, that's, that's true. right. You don't even know. You won't know until the... They come out, which you should listen to because awesome. I heard you try to put a date on that. <laughs> I was like, and it didn't work. Nope. In the next couple of weeks. In the next couple of weeks. Oh boy. I feel like we should put up a Twitter poll for for, oh, like, for the for the episode for episode four. Or I feel the like... last installment of the play for the things. That happened. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that at a later time. <laughs> um, so we've talked about playbooks, the crew sheets, the cool clock mechanics. Yeah. Um, for those of you that have played Powered by the Apocalypse, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to y'all for just one minute. Um, <laughs> there is something that's a little different than other Powered by the Apocalypse games in regards to resolution. Um, and so what happens is uh, instead of just a normal situational resolution where you look at a specific kind of chart um it it they boil it down into three charts controlled risky and desperate actions i personally am on the fence about this still i really like how you have tons of different moves that you can make empowered by the apocalypse and they've all got their own um move roll chart that you can roll on versus this one only has three for the entirety of everything it works don't get me wrong it works but i don't i don't like how generic it is i loved how the playbooks and uh, the other powered by the apocalypse stuff really does like boil it down to stuff that feels like the move situational uh, issues that might just be me I I feel like uh, what you, I, I kind of get what you're saying is like it categorizes like damage and stuff like like um, instead of saying like oh G, uh, GM has discretion to say whatever. Well, I mean they do it well enough in Blades in the Dark with the they're not they're generic, but at the same time they they have like the variations between the different controlled, risky, and desperate that happens. But I mean the specific. The specific nature of the games that you have, um, I mean, for instance, Masks, uh, I mean, they really do kind of boil it down a little better to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, these feel like when you're doing the generic, not generic roles, but the base moves that everybody has, this is what these charts feel like. Well, you realize why they had to do it that way, right? You can do any any action with any role you want. 
Yeah. There is no move associated with any of the actions. Yeah, that's true. And I liked I, I liked how flexible that was because not every character is going to attack something the same way. Right. Using the same set of skills. Not every character is going to tackle an obstacle the same way using the same set of skills. So right. it, gave, it gave you flexibility to interpret what your skill really applied to. Right. Which is really cool. And I that's another like thing that. is this system has skills, whereas most Powered by the Apocalypse game don't, do not have skills. They just have moves. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's and true. I love skills. So that's something <laughs> that I really like about this game that I don't like about masks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like for masks, though, like, like everything was so clean. Like, like in this, you get a lot more mechanics, but like. I'm not saying I don't like masks. Oh, I'm no, just no, no. I know. When I, I play masks, I know what you I gave masks. <laughs> I, I, I was there. I know how you how you feel about masks, but I, I think like part of it is I think the system feels a little tighter, like 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 con- control wise, like the way that you're like limited, um, um, because there's there's more words, there's more mechanics that go into it, and and it and it still doesn't come away clean. It doesn't define everything that you need and so they it raises more questions than it and well that's kind of the point answers. because um leaving it ambiguous lets you decide everything yourself um a lot uh, something that the the author keeps saying in the book is how you decide the rules is going to determine the style of your game huh so i mean the rules are are supposed to be a little bit open to interpretation and the when you and your group decide this is how we're going to do this, that puts a stamp on the game that makes it different from other games. I'm okay without skills when I feel like there's too little skills. And this one, I'm still on the fence with whether this is enough skills or not. I haven't played enough to say that. They're odd skills. <laughs> unless yeah, you're, skills. Unless, yeah, unless you're just playing a burglar or something. But I'll say you this. are, so... <laughs> I, I, there have been other systems before that have tried to replace the standard set of attributes or stats or whatever you want to call them with abstract things, but they still had a base style of mechanic that just still felt like the base thing, and they didn't feel like they broke out of it very well. Um, right. But when you pick up Powered by the Apocalypse, you really feel like I'm stepping out of that normal type of stuff because weird isn't what you'd think weird is. It covers your abilities, and it covers your it covers a bunch of different stuff, and it, it it's it's broader in a sense, and it doesn't just stick to a normal um, confining way. And you really can when you look at a lot of the the Powered by the Apocalypse stuff, and and Blades in the Dark specifically. I mean, insight can mean so much, prowess and resolve. They can mean so much. Those three stats can mean so much but they're not stats they're groups of basically abilities that you can use mm-hmm. and each of those abilities in there are very broad as well they're not so stringent as you get with some other games and i like that but i'll say this one thing that this does have that a lot of power of apocalypse doesn't have is the flexibility mm-hmm. however a lot of the moves and things like that that you get in those other games I don't feel like just because they're locked down to a stat that they only feel like that stat. I don't always. I feel like sometimes there are some flexibility that the game master could take. And the the one that I'm going to make the point of... Um, should I grab the wrong sheet? <laughs> oh, you grabbed my sheet. I know yeah, how I thought you... Um, but basically there are some things... Like the, the standard moves I feel like definitely could. I don't feel like every single time that you attack... That it has to be danger. Um, I, I do feel like the type of attack that you're doing. Now, granted, I know that there are some moves that replace that attack. And that makes sense. And you've got that same thing in Blades in the Dark. Um, but I feel like there are some moves inside of Powered by the Apocalypse. So it's like, really, do I need to roll plus that? Do I really need that? Can't I do it with this? And I think that that's, that sadly falls on the Game Master to say, yes, you can. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. Blades in the Dark opens it up and does have that. But I, I wish that Blades in the Dark had a couple more maybe playbook-specific move sections in which that they're more like, oh, you're, this character's more of a alchemist. You know, you get a six, it means that your whatever you're trying to do is amplified and does more healing or whatever, more damage. Or um, I feel like that that should be... I don't 
know that Blades in the Dark has moves in the same sense that Apocalypse World does. Well, I use the term moves because the action roll is very similar to the moves. Yeah, but like you said, it's generic. Moves are not generic. No, I know, but it still uses the same type of formula. Yeah, I I, I want to say something about um, the moves in, in uh, Blades in the Dark. I had, uh, I picked this, uh, it, all of the moves in my, uh, I can't, what is it, character sheet? The it, special abilities? Yeah, all of the moves in, in mine that were unique to, to the the mastermind, the spider class, mm-hmm. um, they were, I could probably categorize them in, in three ways. Like, you're either, like, a support class mm-hmm. you know that like you know you're there for your homies um or you are a oh, what did i say what did i or you are a like um your support class or you are a um intelligence class mm-hmm. uh, like you 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 are about prep yeah prep yeah. class that's what it is um and i think like the only thing that really fell outside of those two roles was the one I picked, which was mm-hmm. a, a ghost contract. <laughs> and I, I thought that that was the most interesting one. But like mm-hmm. the rest, the rest of them fall pretty cleanly into those. It's like, oh, this is to prep you for it, or this is to, um, uh, this is to support your allies. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted something more versatile. Yeah. Than that. <sighs> I mean. I don't know, I think that goes back to us talking about the fact that, you know, these books are meant to give you a very specific feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, I mean, I, I don't think that that exactly fits against um, the things that you were saying. I think that your ability is kind of the cross-section of the two things. I, I, I suppose, but compared to, to, to masks, we'll say, there were so many different abilities that were like, uh, there's That's like true. teleportation That's for true. my guy. You had a lot of flexibility. Emotion control. Yeah. And, um, Part like, of that's just superheroes, though. Yeah. Just like just for just for my sheet, and so mm-hmm. I had a lot more versatility in who I could choose to be. Um. Well, um, in masks, the playbooks are not <sighs> okay. So in Blades in the Dark, playbooks are a lot more traditional. They're about the role you fill right yes but in masks the playbooks were more about what your type was it wasn't so much about the role you fill as about where you came from and how you approach being a superhero I which is a uh, it's a small difference but it, it it makes a difference when you're talking about the abilities yeah like i, I could choose to be a fighting class or mm-hmm. or uh you know i could be like a support class or uh or uh, uh, what? What is the debuff class? Like Blue Mage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like it was Origin because it was it was the what was the uh, protege? You had the protege who approached, uh, who came to uh, superheroes because of his mentor, or you had the Nova who came to superpowers because they were so powerful that they were just flowing out of them anyway. You had the uh, what was another one? Um, uh, doomed, which basically your, your powers. Uh, well, I mean, it, they come from a source, though. Not necessarily. No, well, I just mean, but the 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 point of the playbook is the source. It's it's where you're coming from. It's not what you do. So uh, the powers mm-hmm. that yeah. let you do what you do are very wide open. Yeah, I guess it's it's approach versus. Um, like role exactly like you're deciding your role right here right versus your approach is much more open-ended it's so like... these playbooks are going to be a lot more are going to feel a lot more restricted than those just because mm-hmm. of what they are yeah that makes sense but i like that i mean and... it makes perfect sense it makes <laughs> sense definitely for this universe but i mean also there's another one out there called a uh, dragon world hack um it's a powered by the apocalypse game uh it, it is honestly my preferred fantasy for Powered by the Apocalypse, the only issue with it is is that it is an anime-based fantasy game. Hmm. Uh, but no, if you picked those up, it feels it feels in the same vein of Blades in the Dark in the respect that it it is it's it's not constraining, but it is more directed than what Masks is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just kind of like, that's more driven in that direction. Cause when you pick them up, you really do. Uh, cause one of them is called, um, um, the sacrifice or the innocent. Mm-hmm. And like, it is literally about being the character in animes that is about to be sacrificed. Like all of your stuff is, uh, literally <laughs> like the, Oh great. Uh, like Khaled and fucking, what is that? <laughs> Tales of Symphonia. Or Nomiji. In Blue Seed. <laughs> God, so much screaming. Yeah. feel sorry for that voice actress. Yeah. <laughs> I like, have and it's like literally her whole that. her whole existence literally is just that she's supposed to die. Yeah. Jesus. I want to be that character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, eventually that one chick does hand her a bazooka and is like, stop being such a fucking victim. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you ever watch Blue Seed? I don't think so. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's huh. so dumb, but it's so great. Yeah, Blue Seed is a really... Blue Seed is such an odd anime because like the jokes in it aren't like super funny. No, but it's just meant to like... weird and uncomfortable, huh. but it like makes sense and you're just like, okay, <laughs> I'm good with this. Yeah. Cosmically, this is sort of... I don't know. I'm gonna have to see that. It's real weird. Yeah, I think it's, we have the DVD somewhere. We do because it's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, like, uh, I don't think that it is necessarily a 100% negative the way that it drives them. Oh no. Um, no, no. And I mean, I get that some people are gonna sit down and look at that, but in all honesty, these are no more or less confining than what you get with Dungeons and Dragons Mm -hmm. with what you get with uh, Fantasy Age or Dragon Age Uh, the only difference is is that these are directed towards a single sense rather than being open and not giving you everything that you need for that specific world well yeah those are more generic Dragon Age not Dragon Age is setting specific that's true Dragon Age is but Uh, Fantasy Age so I remember like looking at this fight and I'm like I'm really not good at fighting at all anything (laughs) at all and I'm like I have this cool device, but like, honestly. Can I use Sway? (laughs) But I feel like that's kind of what your character was for, is like talking us out of situations when he can't fight us out of situations. Yeah. Mine was more um, creating the situations we had to talk or fight out (laughs) of. That's true. Their uh, attack attempts were complete disasters. (laughs) Except for the grenade. The grenade was pretty cool. (laughs) The grenade worked out well. Uh, but yeah, like I, I remember getting there and I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> like, like I'm holding this gun and I'm like, yeah, no, it oh, was great. Fuck. Cause like, but like the fact that you had a character that was set up to kind of be that, like the, the t- negotiator, the talking your way out of something or talking your way into something rather than, you know, blowing something up or punching down a wall or you know like fighting I was, your way in yeah like i was i was super like, good was at great. that and it was great for doing that yeah no that's fantastic but, and i think it's interesting that they had a character that kind of was built to do that because most mm-hmm. people would not necessarily go for that but they did it in a manner that's really interesting and yeah. really fun to play i love systems that you can do that with um i was in a vampire the masquerade game where two of us had absolutely zero combat skills uh, where one of us was the connection to um, the, oh, was it Black Hand? Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one was the ca- uh, connection to the Camarilla. Yeah. And so we each had people that we could talk to, and our combat expertise was phoning in a favor with one of those two organizations while we sat back and did things. But I, I don't think that that is a, a negative on oh, uh, no. a situation at all. Uh, but you're probably not used to it because you come from Dungeons & Dragons where yeah. everybody can attack. I have, like, zero versatility. It's, like, the, the real problem is my versatility is, like, fucking endless when I can talk to people. But when people are not willing to talk, like, well, I... In Dungeons & Dragons specifically, the, every class is specifically balanced to be good in combat. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. that just, you're going to have people that just can't. And that, yeah. that that's something that always kind of bugged me is like, sometimes you just can't. That's yeah. the great thing about third edition. I could break the characters so they were not good at combat. <laughs> I guess like the biggest thing is like, I was sitting, I was sitting there like 
trying to figure out what to do, but I felt like it, it lost me a little there. Mm. Um, and uh, I think partially that's 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 you. You're not no 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 no. I'm not trying to say it's bad. It sounds like a you problem, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're used to systems that don't offer you so that flexibility. You're not used to having a character that might have to sit back for a moment, that might not be in something. You were going to go in and have a big, long conversation, so what did my character do? Sat outside and waited by the giant sheep goats. <laughs> and when y'all came out, what did I do? I had a quick little thing where I'd gotten in a fight with one of the uh, guards, and I'd had a friendship. I had a contact out of that. Mm-hmm. Not all characters are going to be good at everything, and a lot of these other systems that break out of that offer you a chance to role play in a situation that's completely different than your own yeah you didn't have to engage in the combat like you did nobody would have been upset with you if you hadn't but i get sometimes sitting at the table when that's going on isn't if you're not used to having a game where you can completely step out like that you're not used to sitting back and being like okay cool well and your character was over the top uh charismatic enough that he could get attacking ghosts to stop when he, yeah. when, when he decided to. I figured like that was that was the only way that I would and ever live sense. in that situation. Cuz it's like you have to with characters like these and like settings like this, it is much more interesting to have social combat rather than actual physical f- combat. Sometimes, yeah. Like the politics, the trying mm. to negotiate and, you know, playing diplomacy is like super interesting and cool and yeah. well the stakes like, can be a lot higher than oh yeah physical combat oh yeah and like way awesome as far as role playing and character development yeah yeah oh i think besides you don't have to roll the dice as and the, yeah and the, all all of two social uh powered by the apocalypse encounters uh or that are or sessions that i have sessions 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 <laughs> um in all two of them i found that like social combat is or just like just like the, the the RP and the social combat is much more interesting to me mm-hmm. than, like, actual combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that's something you should explore. Yeah. And I'm so glad you came in today. That'll be 3550. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me get recoup from my gas first. <laughs> Tire. <laughs> Shit, I know. I know. So Blades in the Dark, it offers social combat, 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 it uses one set of tables to determine all of that. Uh, it is something that we did not tell everybody. If you're used to Powered by the Apocalypse, get ready for a change. Um, <laughs> this is not a 2D6 system. This is a dice pool system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it determines whatever your highest die is, is what matters for the chart. Now, if you roll double sixes, that's a critical, and that matters as well. But... Um, any other doubles or anything else don't matter. Um, it just determines on the highest die. I think the reason I don't mind that you only pick one die is that you're always rolling for the same thing. Like, um, Savage Worlds, for example, is, is a, is a system where you have, uh, multiple dice, but you only count the top one, but you, your target number shifts. I mean, it's applied as modifiers, but basically you're rolling for a different thing. In this one, you know what you're rolling for every time, and having more dice makes it easier to hit it or harder to hit it. So you're, it's not this constantly shifting thing. And you don't just have two dice. You have two dice or three dice or four dice. So it's variable, and that's neat. I like that. Mm. I'll say I like it definitely better over what Savage World offers. <laughs> um but it's still, to me, at the end of the day, it boils it down to the feeling of a single die system. And it's just kind of a very difficult thing for me. There's there's very few single die systems that I'm like, I really enjoy the way this works. And I really like how this happens. And that, that like for me is... cyberpunk. <laughs> well, like any of the Artel story and stuff, because it's the way that it's built up. You also have the exploding die. That's... Exploding die changes things. I I, yeah, it does. I don't particularly like exploding <laughs> dice. But... <laughs> Y'all but, are so passionate about these different mechanics. Yes. <laughs> well, because they're huge nerds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Weston Games got me addicted to exploding dice, so you can blame them for that. Well, the wild die did explode, yes. So, I mean, you can blame them for that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, for me, Blades in the Dark 
The setting of it gets a three. The gameplay and the fun of it gets another one point, so it sits at a four. Um, I cannot get over the dice mechanics. Uh, they really do take some of the fun out of it for me because I, I don't like when I get a big dice pool and I'm boiled down to one die. That's um, just always kind of bugged me. There are other systems that do something similar and it bugs me just as much with them. But the setting in its, of itself and the way that the playbooks play into that setting, I'm not just picking up and it's like, cool, would you like to be the ranger, the bard, or do you want to be the dude that runs on the cable cars? And, you know, it's not a very, it's not a super generic thing. It's like, do you want to be this? And there's multiple ways to do this thing, but it's really cool how it happens. Uh, so for me, uh, Blades in the Dark sits at a four. Just looking at the system and how it plays and the playbooks, not the game that we just played, um, I would have to say... And our German judge says... Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) For those of you just tuning in for the first time to an RPG Hour show, uh, Mrs. RPG Hour is similar to the classic stereotype of a German... Uh, Olympic judge. Uh, she oftentimes gives the lowest rating. She's going to go to six just because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Best game ever. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. I'm going to say. God, you guys suck. Now I'm like, Ugh. no, just give it your. your Are you sticking with the, the, the number that you gave me earlier? I think so. I think so. Do you want me to say it for you? No. <laughs> She's a big girl. I'm going to give it a three. Mm. Okay? Because I kind of agree with Larry in mm. the dice pool being kind of disappointing. Mm. Um, and I love dice pool. Um, I, I, I like dice pool systems. I really do. But it does feel a little disappointing when it does all boil down to just basically mm. one die mm. because it's it's you roll all these dice and then eh. you get a one <laughs> yeah it's I, I don't i don't particularly care for that it feels like it defeats the dice pool yeah yeah it, it does a little bit mm. um i thought that um because we were talking about the product itself, right? Um, I thought the character sheets were a little busy and kind of difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. They uh, have a lot of information on And, yeah. like, going through the character creation guide that they had, like, they're like, okay, do this and then do this. But they didn't actually, like, there wasn't that much information to decipher what they actually wanted you to do. And to, cause if I had a physical book, there would have been more. Right. I had to ask a lot like okay i'm putting four points where am i putting those four points and to be fair the book isn't expensive so it's an easy purchase i just have a digital copy yeah um but i think i think the character sheet can use a little bit of tweaking yeah um i think they should take a page out of um what some of the other uh games out there do powered by the apocalypse and stuff like that I think they need to make it into a multi-page sheet. I know they're trying to keep it down to yeah. one. I thought there were two-page sheets. It, yeah, like yeah. It, it seems like a lot of they could just double-side yeah. it. Like it'd yeah. be that yeah. simple. Well, I mean, if um, if we touch on uh, masks specifically, originally that was a four-sheet page that they brought down to two. Wow. But I feel like the way that they do the two, you could honestly break this information down. Oh yeah. Into two pages and add the character creation right onto the page. I wonder if it's because he did ghost lines. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like an extension of the ghost lines sheet. Kind of. I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of, I mean, ghost lines has even more information on it, but yeah. um, I mean, like there, there is a lot of, it's just hard. Lot to, of that it's feel. just hard. Yeah. There's not nothing. It, it's not labeled in section. So it's yeah. hard to figure out what's happening yeah. on the sheet, mm-hmm. but someone may look at it and be like, no, that makes perfect sense. You're an idiot. So, well, I mean, once you get used just, to it, it would be less of an issue. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Um, I do like how they simplified the roles as far as like, it's a risky situation. 
you know, regardless of what you're doing, like you could be picking a lock or Mm -hmm. sneaking around or, you know, bargaining with a vendor or Mm -hmm. something, you know, I do like that because it does make it very easy as a player to be like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, which I thought was really cool. I think the setting is fucking fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. So, like, absolutely, hands down, fucking fantastic. I love it. It's super cool. <laughs> it feels really neat to be there. Cool beans all around. Um, but I think because I like dice pools so much mm-hmm. and because the character sheet was kind of hard to decipher, mm-hmm. that makes it... It would make me hesitant to pull it out for people who are not experienced role players yeah. because they would be completely lost. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when you roll a bunch of dice, you either want to add them together <laughs> or see how many of one thing you have. Hmm. And you don't do either of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I'll go. Um, so I really... I like this game, but there's there's uh, I had some problems with it. I really liked, like the setting. Of course, the setting's fucking beautiful. Like I, I I like how everything is toned towards that setting too, and so you really get like a unique experience that you yeah. you probably can't get almost anywhere else. Right. I mean, you've been playing role playing games for a long ass time. I mean, I could be wrong, but I've. I, I mean. <laughs> real shit (laughs) but uh i mean y'all have been playing these games for a long time but uh i i uh i'll be honest i can't think of another game that gives a similar setting yeah yeah and that's what i thought was really cool and i would love i would love more games with like a setting that's even close to this because it's I mean, obviously, outside of Ghost Lines, which uses the same world, but... But it's, yeah. like, the same guy, like... And and I think that, that yeah, this character sheet is, is complicated. I, you know, I, I got it, and i like, okay, here's my ability. And then I'm like, what is the rest of this? Like, I got my name, <laughs> and I got what I look like, and maybe an alias. And, like, what else do I do? Um, and... You know, I, I don't think that that's really conducive to, um, I don't know, getting like a, a better, like a bigger player base, um, just in general, because it's, it's so complicated. I think there's too many stats, um, and so this dice pool feels really unsatisfying when you have like a ton of different stats with zero. Like you yeah, have to push for true. every. Yeah. That's every true. stat yeah that's true. um and you know it, it'd be satisfying to like reduce it down to like i don't know six it would be interesting if the those titles were the stat and then those were the the things that you get like a bonus were like no, no no not necessarily a bonus but just examples of things that this thing applies to yeah that's what you're saying and then put points in that that makes sense i'd also be happy if instead it was Kind of like the the pluses that you get in other power uh, that you get in powered by the apocalypse stuff, where you've got your insight, prowess, and resolve, and those are your main stats, and then you get like a boost if you put a point in one of those other ones or something. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Be, that would be cool too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but like, but like, I mean, I, I love like everything that you can do, but I just think that like, especially in a, a system with a dice pool, as you're saying, like being able to roll like one dice is really unsatisfying and uh being having to like i guess sort of kind of damage yourself with stress in order to roll something that you haven't put a point in mm-hmm. when you only get four yeah is really yeah. unsatisfying um and uh anything else i thought the 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 group system what is it the, yeah that was really cool the, the, the crew crews. system is is pretty fucking cool i think it also needs to be simplified a little bit just to just so that like you can understand what's going on in that sheet and uh, be better to keep track of those mm-hmm. things um all in all i think it's a unique experience that suffers from uh, a couple you know technical 
uh, bugs that that uh, that limit the amount of fun that you could have <laughs> in this setting. Um, so I'm gonna give it a three point five. Hmm. You just had to add the point five. So once again, I'm uh-huh. the German judge. <laughs> uh-huh. Dicks. <laughs> um. I didn't mind the dice mechanic. I, I like silhouette system, the the heavy gear system. So this feels like that to me. Um, but having said that, I was the game master, so I didn't roll any dice. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. So you know, <laughs> but this style of this style of dice mechanic, I don't mind. I think it's I think it's fantastic. I like it better than, than the regular apocalypse world dice mechanic. Um, but. I like it when rules are simple and unified. And although I like the way they broke down the move, the lots of different moves that other apocalypse world systems have into a single rule set that you have three, three positions and you have three effects and the game likes threes. There are a lot of three things, but um, I like the way it broke it down. So you don't have so many moves that you have to keep up with. Um, but the way you had a completely different rule mechanic for the crew section, I actually didn't like that. I like it when things are more simple. (laughs) Uh, so that was my main beef with it. Um, it just, I don't know. It made it feel like more of a management game, Mm. you know, and less of a role playing game. And I get what's behind it. You're keeping track of a huge abstract stuff and you're actually getting to make a difference in it because there are stats to track it. But I don't know. I like the role play part more than the management part. Um, the setting, of course, is so compelling. Um, it was the setting that made me really want to be will run this mm-hmm. because the setting is incredible and uh one thing bladeston dark does that i really like uh that is um they do more so than other apocalypse world games the power by the apocalypse games um is they have the conversation going they talk a lot about the conversation that you have in any part by, by the apocalypse game. Uh, you're not playing a game. You're having a conversation, right? But in this one, it's not just the conversation, the narrative conversation that you're sharing with the players, but the rules you get to share with the players too. Because although the GM may be the final call on rules, uh, often you get feedback from the players on how to how the rules are going to apply in this situation and it starts of course with the different action rules the skills in any other system uh, but you have different approaches that you can use and the player always chooses what approach they're going to use for the for any given uh, check and I like that that's really good um, but it's even more than that because the players are getting feedback on uh, how hard the role, the role is going to be. Mm-hmm. The players are constantly giving feedback on what they're doing to help out the player. So how many dice they get. It's just, it's very collaborative in a way that um, I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen in another role playing system. <laughs> well, well, not, not so much, not as much as masks, not as much as this, I think. Maybe that's because I mean it's it's in the core Uh of Apocalypse World that you are having a shared narrative experience. It's not just the GM's world; it's everybody's world and everybody's story, and you're all telling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the really good thing about Apocalypse World. That's the thing I've always loved. Cool. Like, but in this one, it's not just that. You're also sharing sharing. uh, I mean, think about how many times we think about how many times we sat there. We rolled. An attack, and we, as the player, decided how the consequences worked. Right. When usually that's something in the hands of the GM. Exactly. 
which was interesting because we got to come up with our own vastly probably more creative <laughs> punishments than what he would have done to us. So Yeah, and that's not my ruling. That's what's built in the book. So that was really cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was neat. Well, that's how Masks is as well. I mean, it, it is left up to either side of things. Uh, it was just more of a, you guys aren't used to that style of play, so I was giving suggestions, and over here, y'all already been through it. Y'all already seen kind of what that is, so. Well, Apocalypse World is not that way. I thought Apocalypse World was. No, it's not. The GM does the rules. The players steer everything with the narrative. I I thought it was cool that we could, uh, just like before anything started, we would build pieces of the world. I yeah. Thought, like when, when you said that, and I also, um, as soon as I had said mass, I, I remembered the mechanic for, for stress to help someone and give them an extra die is like just one, but to help yourself is, is two. Yeah. And I think that's the intention there, but, uh, it makes it more, it encourages you to cooperate with yes. others yeah. and not be like, yes. um, yeah. the wolf murder. So, um, at any rate, I'd say, I don't know. I'm very conflicted on this game because there are things that I absolutely adore about it. And there are things that I really don't like about it. And so, I don't know. I'd say probably a 3.5 because I, um, I'm not going to say a three. I like it more than that. <laughs> uh, but I don't feel like this is a game that I could play with people who are not strong role players. Um, oh. I love you guys, and I know you're great role players, so I'm very comfortable playing this with you. But putting part of the story building and world building on the players is just not possible in some games and uh, in some groups and in large groups i i don't think it would work oh, at all no. No. so in a small intimate setting and with good role players this great game is great but i'm not sure how many other settings that it would work really well in 3.5 all right well thank you so much for joining us on this review of uh blades in the dark uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you want to keep hearing us do stuff, go out there and support us. You can find us at rpghour.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, co-fi.com, uh, Instagram. Uh, you know, just reach out to us on any of those pod chasers or pod catchers out there. Um, and if you're interested in seeing more information about us, of course, our website or podchaser.com. Uh, it's kind of like IMDb for podcasts. Until the dice roll again.